Welcome to Brothers and Who, a spin-off podcast of the Married to Who podcast in which me, Jake, and my brother Alex watch Classic Who in whatever order we want. We are currently going through all of the companions, one at a time. We've done Susan and Vicky so far. You can go back and listen to those. This week, we are doing our episode on Ian Chesterton, and we are being joined by our producer, Terry. Terry, say hi. Good morning, everyone. It's not morning. <laughs> Somewhere it is. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but Terry, you haven't been doing these other 60s episodes with us. So in order to catch you up on Ian, we didn't want you just to watch the episode we watched. So we made you watch a lot of episodes. That is correct. And for you listening at home, if you hear a dog going insane, that's Alex's dog. Who's insane? Yeah, she just won't stop barking. <laughs> so it's going to happen. Live with it. So, Terry, we made you watch An Unearthly Child. Yep. Uh, the Romans. Yes. And The Chase. And The Keys of... Yeah, that's the one we're here to talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, yes, I watched all of those. Okay, so give me 60 seconds on An Unearthly Child. Leaving Ian alone, just the story itself. The story itself. Oh, no. <laughs> I've forgotten what on earth happened. I did it. not prompt Terry or tell him this was going to happen. No, you did not. Um, I very much liked the opening of it. Uh, it was very fun to just have these two teachers talking about the student and of how she's just ridiculously smart in some objects, but then, um, just questioning so many other things. I, I really enjoyed the adventure that they all went on and it was just great to see everyone's strong personalities right away. All right. Well, that was 30 seconds. So that's good enough. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I was vamping for like, I don't know. I can't remember. I didn't tell you at the time, but when Alex and I did it, we only watched the first episode. Or I did. Alex watched the whole thing just for fun. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the first episode's great. The rest of it sucks. So we purposely didn't. Oh, okay. I was kind of confused by that. Like I watched just the first episode. I, I was scrolling through the rest of them and I saw Unearthly Child. Run, run, run. And it's like, oh, I have to watch more. So that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. the Neanderthal stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Neanderthal. Okay. Yeah. Then yeah. your time is up. <laughs> <laughs> Give me 60 seconds on the Romans. I freaking love the Romans. It was such a good story. It reminded me a lot of a play that I was in called Comedy of Errors of just so many people in different storylines and they're overlapping, but they always miss each other at the right times. And it was just wonderful seeing the entire thing uh, come together at the end. And Nero was fabulous <laughs> through it all. He was just a horny, a little angry, little angry man. <laughs> it, was, it was just so fun to watch. Um, but uh, yeah, and everyone had really fun parts. And it was great to see the costumes and how all of that worked together. It brought back a lot of memories of ancient Roman times. <laughs> <laughs> Your fondest memories. Uh, that's Shakespeare, right? Comedy Bears? 
Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. Not comedy affairs. I totally meant a funny thing on the hap- a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. That oh, one's yeah, yeah. uh, Greek based. Well, comedy of errors has also become just kind of like a genre or a phrase used to describe something. Okay, now give me 60 seconds. You have yet to achieve a full 60 seconds on anything. <laughs> Am I short on everything? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Give me 60 seconds on The Chase. Oh, The Chase. Um, you went Scottish? <laughs> <laughs> it was an. Oh, man. So sorry. It's hard. Uh, Daleks. In, you said nothing. <laughs> I know. Um, and it's fresh in my brain, too. Like, I just watched it. But, I don't know. The Daleks were good. Um, I keep forgetting that they had, like, a robot doctor in that one. But the supporting cast of um, Barbara and... Oh, what's her name? Liz? Vicky? Vicky. That's yeah. it. Sorry, Vicky. I don't know why I called her Liz. Um they they just ran around and screamed the entire time anything touched <laughs> them and it was just that got really annoying to me and it was uh not too bad of a story i don't know is that 60 seconds i was just not thrilled with it time up yeah if you didn't love the chase then this week's episode keys of marinus also may not have been for you cuz a they're written by the same person B, they're basically the same story. Terry Nation loves a bit of a runaround, loves the idea of a serial where every episode is set in a different place. And so they let him try it twice. Uh, Fandom as a whole, ain't a fan of that. Me as a one, fucking love both of them. (laughs) So I am here for it. Spoiler. (laughs) So this week, we're here to talk about Ian Chesterton, what we're doing, and I'm going to say this every time, so sorry if, you, if you're getting sick of this. We're using this format of going through every companion as an excuse to watch episodes we may not have watched on our own. So if we're going to go through and watch some 60s Who, Keys of Marinus may have been down there. But I'm glad we got to watch it because of the way we're doing this. So typically, we'd have a companion in mind that we're going to talk about, and we what we want to do is their first and final stories. And we'll watch those as a gauge of, or as like an in to the companion and to having a conversation about them. With Ian, like the other 60s companions, we've already seen his first episode and we've already seen his last episode because that was a Dalek episode, The Chase, which you just saw. So Ian was in 16 stories total, 77 episodes in like an 18 month period. They went full bore, like 44 episodes a year or something like that. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So seven of his stories we've already seen, which feels like a lot. (laughs) One we're saving for next week when we do Barbara. And three are at least partially missing. So we don't do the reconstructions of the missing stories. One is Edge of Destruction, which is only a two-parter and everyone hates it. So we're not going to do that. So I put up a Twitter poll asking which is the most Ian story between Keys of Marinus, Planet of Giants, and the Web Planet. I also had the Romans on there, but we ended up doing that for Vicky. Uh, Keys of Marinus won with 50% of the vote. The Romans got 37 and a half. Uh, <laughs> no one likes the Web Planet, so <laughs> we weren't going to do that. Um, so we watched Keys of Marinus. And how we do this, Terry, is first half we're going to just talk about the episode just completely as it is on its own. 
And then afterwards, we will just have a discussion about Ian in general as a companion. Excellent. So, Keys Marinus. Alex, what'd you think? Um, I, like you, like the different locations. It was cool. It was, uh, like, Team TARDIS was on, like, a quest, which I, I like quest-type things. They're just going out to get the thing to bring it back. Like, that's why I play video games. <laughs> it's, like, just for that. That's all I like. <laughs> that's all I like. That is all I like. <laughs> my... One of my first notes is, it's a quest episode. Somebody call Zelda. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Terry, what'd you think? I really loved this story as well, the whole quest idea. I've been itching to play D&D, &D, mm. and this reminded me a lot of that, of, hey, you have this specific thing. It has been scattered throughout. Go on an adventure and find all of these things. And that yeah. really pulled me into the episode just and this story could be a whole campaign. Oh, definitely. Like, all the different things you could get, you could run into there. That Oh, man, <laughs> that'd be cool. Right? Oh, man. Do you think, I mean, he's passed now, but somewhere is there like a D&D campaign written by Terry Nation? Probably not. Is... He was too busy fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Nation fucks. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, Jake, uh, did you like it? What'd you think? Uh, yeah, I don't remember my thoughts the first time I watched it because I was like 10 or 11 years ago, but I fucking loved it. And I watched the first two earlier in the week and then I watched the last four last night. I had intended on like watching two last night and then watching the last two this morning, but I was just in and yeah. I wasn't going anywhere. I fucking loved it, which is weird because uh, conventional fan wisdom is that this isn't good. Uh, on the 50th anniversary poll, out of 156 stories, it's 119. It's even five spots below Edge of Destruction, which everyone says is terrible. Hmm. Weird. I didn't think this was terrible. I don't know. <laughs> right? Like, do, do they say why? Is, is it just like the it's location thing? Oh, okay. Or maybe because of the ending of the whole thing of like, they just put it in and then the Blew thing explodes. Up. Yeah. You know when that when the fake one came out in like what the third episode, I you're thought, like yeah. that's gonna come around somewhere that like because they, they held on to it, they didn't just throw <laughs> it away. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are also this being one nineteen out of one fifty six. There are also eight other first Doctor stories that are below this, including the Sensorites. So this fiftieth anniversary poll is garbage because the Sensorite is fucking awesome. <laughs> I liked it. Keys Marinus is awesome. The Chase is awesome. Yeah, y'all got to just fuck off. <laughs> Let's get into it then. The Keys of Marinus, written by Terry Nation, directed by John Gorey, aired April 11th through May 16th, 1964. I guess because of like the all over the place nature of this, maybe we should kind of talk about it one episode at a time, one episode at a time, which is not really how I normally do it. But yeah, we can break it down like oh. that. OK, so first episode, TARDIS team lands. Ocean's made of acid, big building, we go in, get our quest, and teleport away. What do you think of the first episode? Or do you have anything you want to talk about in the first episode? I loved the idea that the ocean was all acid. I yeah. thought that was pretty cool, too, but it didn't really, like, come back. It wasn't. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was just a cool thing, but I, I liked it. It was neat. 
And yeah. can you imagine if she would have put her feet in that pool? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the like slow reveal of it where like her shoe goes into like the tide pool. Yeah. And then Ian and Barbara kind of pull each other aside. They're like, that's a tidal pool. So like that's the ocean. And then I even like the the submarines, mm-hmm. kind of the design. I don't like the miniature. Well, I mean, I like the miniature ones, <laughs> but the way they're just like jerkily pulled, like yeah. you couldn't it was pull them in string. one motion. Right. <laughs> Who's doing this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, also, when they said the tidal pool, my mind immediately went to, oh, it's low tide. They're going to have to fight time with this. Oh. But that never came up. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember and just when they first get to the big tower mm. that to find their quest um that you could obviously tell where the backdrops were to help show how big this building was and <laughs> yeah. my brain was like ah art class and forced perspective drawing <laughs> yeah i was just surprised by that and i was like oh man acting with like here's a wall imagine it's further yeah, like, that's got to be so hard at times. Well, at one point, Ian and Barbara had to move. They're like, all right, you go that way. We'll go this way. So they just started walking. And as they got closer, they just like stopped, but kept marching. Well, yeah. they had to walk so slow because they're like, this has to last six seconds. Yeah. And you have four and a half feet to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> one other thing I want to talk about in this first episode, something that never happens anymore is like a silent fight where Ian's in the pyramid and he's fighting one of the Vord. And they're having like a knife fight. Oh, yeah. But there's no added sound put in. No like punch effect sounds. So it's just they're just being absolutely silent. They're not even like talking <laughs> to each other or yelling. Yeah. It, you get a little bit of like maybe a little bit. But they're just a silent fight is something that never happens in media <laughs> in the 21st century. It's pretty good. Um, and I, I also uh, when I've. F- First, so at the end of the first episode, uh, when they got their quest and they're going off, like, also, that guy is kind of an asshole, hijacking the TARDIS so they can't leave. Yeah. But then I was also thinking, oh, he's going to be like the bad guy. Like, at the end, when they come back, he's going to be the one trying to control everyone's mind. Mm-hmm. And people, like, the world doesn't want that or something like that. That's what I was thinking, too, was all of the uh, scuba divers would actually be the good guys trying right. to reclaim yeah. the tower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we we're do, all wrong. <laughs> we do see a like wetsuit that isn't being worn by a Vord, but we never see what the Vord look like without them. Right. Like that would have been super fun and with mm. those helmets, too. Like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> those are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. There is a monster in season 12. Terry, you want to see this yet? That it's like a two parter. So in the first part, we only see them in profile mm-hmm. or like their silhouette. We only see their silhouette. And it looks so much like the Vord that everyone's like, oh, it's the fucking Vord. Like, how would that even happen? They live on Marinus. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't. But for one week, Doctor Who fandom got to be like, the Vord are back. <laughs> <laughs> episode two. When I think of Keys of Marinus, this is the episode I think about. Like, I absolutely oh. love the concept of everyone else being under the illusion that the place they're in is like super fancy and decadent. And then one person being able to see it for what it really is. And it's just run down and dirty and gross. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't catch on until stupidly late. I was like, I like I really thought they were just in, in like a place where just everyone is given everything. Um, but then everything is kind of like I was thinking they were taking away 
just their like minds and making like almost like zombies because like the ladies were just like stone face walking around yeah and so i thought it was like the whole process but like this guy was orchestrating it all but it was none of that they were just hypnotized <laughs> yeah yeah it was very encounter at farpoint i know you don't watch star trek but yeah. the the first episode of star trek the next generation they're on a planet where like they just kind of think of something or they're like at a store and they're like oh i wish they had this and then all of a sudden it's there because hmm. this planet just keeps generating what they want. Oh, hmm. that could be dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I wrote down uh, "City of Pleasure." <laughs> I was like, "How's there not just everybody fucking <laughs> right?" <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's a different episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Ah. <laughs> but I think also season one. You you should just start watching Star Trek. Come on, <laughs> it's on my list of things to do. It's just so much, and I. And watching other things, I guess. I don't know. It is a lot. Like, I am increasingly, as I get older, finding, like, no desire to watch something that has 22 episodes a year. Especially if they're an hour long. If it's a a 21-minute sitcom that I can watch on Hulu or whatever, great. Give it to me. But, like, a sci-fi drama that's 45 minutes long and there's 22 episodes a year yeah it's a slog (laughs) like give me the six that actually have anything to do with anything first thing i noticed in episode two altos isn't wearing pants yeah why forever oh my god he doesn't wear pants ever yeah we uk people we mean trousers he clearly he's just wearing briefs yeah well i mean that's the style of that time period there this is i they do have a date for this it's like five or 50 million (laughs) like it's in the future, we're on a different planet. Oh, this totally red has the past. We're on a different planet. <laughs> it was still... They are way behind <laughs> in time. <laughs> they can make people hypnotize it to think everything's cool. Well, they, that, that was alien. They have little teleporter bracelets. Or were those were those brain things actual people? Like, were they Mar- Marinonites that, like, elevated? Because they said their brains outgrew their bodies. Yeah, I have no idea what those are. I thought they were alien, but, I know, but it the, was hilarious. The eyes freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. um, they looked like bunny ears for I, eyes. I immediately thought of SpongeBob and Gary because <laughs> it was just like Gary oh, with the eyes. I immediately up. thought of The Thing. The Thing? What's that? It's a movie. I haven't. So that episode was just to pick up Sabitha? Well, and Altos. Yeah, and both Altos, of them. Yeah. And this fun idea of... Yeah, that was... Yeah, and then uh, Barbara just going nuts on the brains in the jars and just smashing everything that was crazy it was awesome yeah can they give one of these scenes to susan just to make her not so useless <laughs> like I'm... she literally passes out standing up and barbara just grabs her and puts her in bed like yeah. this happens every fucking day yep she's Wait, tired can i just say i'm disappointed in susan's character <laughs> so much like for her being the smart ridiculous girl in the very first episode to her now being just a type of thing it's like no where did all of that go (laughs) well you can listen to our susan episode to hear our thoughts on that awful awful character (laughs) (laughs) i also really like in this episode when barbara kind of like comes to because she's like sleeps longer than all the other ones because she's not hypnotized uh, there's this shot of the three of them, the other three, like looking down the barrel of the camera. Like, you know, it's like a POV shot from Barbara where they're all like, 
what do you mean? Everything's great. And it's like super creepy because it's Mm -hmm. our TARDIS team, our friends who are kind of the bad guys here. And it's, it's a really cool shot and a really cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. When, when Altos showed up in that shot, there was some weird editing thing that made him look very weird. Did anyone else notice that? Yeah. Like when he was like crouching down, it like shifted. It went all wavy and it like, he was moving at a weird pace. It made me think like, oh, he's going to be like, like a, like a worm or something. (laughs) Like, like it was like a shimmer (laughs) or something. I thought it was going to be more intense than it ended up being. It was kind of just that one second. Yeah. I really did like the, the subtle change in the set and the clothing when it was, when the camera was following Barbara. Because mm-hmm. then you see it for what it is. It's like this dungeon, grimy yeah. place. It was and just cool. Even like Altos, like his hair's a little messy. Yeah. Like his clothes are obviously shittier. But then he wears those clothes the rest of the time and it seems fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Him and uh, Sabitha all just oh, wore rags. <laughs> I use this opportunity to mention the actress who plays Sabitha, Barbara Schofield, uh, in our latest um, Married to Who podcast, we were talking about Extremis. And we brought up Pope Joan. She's in a movie called Pope Joan. <laughs> like, oh, neat. So hmm. I, I'm going to find that movie and I'm, I'm not I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they they come to they figure it out. Barbara goes ham on some jars and the doctor says, well, why don't you guys go to that place so I can go to this place? And that's when William Hartnell gets a much deserved two week vacation because okay. he is not in the next two episodes. But he had been going nonstop from October to April. I'll mention this now. In my William Russell research, the actor who plays Ian. But I watched an interview with him where he kind of laid out the shooting schedule during this time. So like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they rehearsed. And then Thursday was like a technical rehearsal where they were on set and they set up the cameras and the lights and everything. And then Friday they shot the whole fucking episode. And then Saturday was kind of like for any pickups they needed to do, anything that got screwed up or got missed that they could reshoot. And then they got Sundays off. (laughs) And I think he also mentioned like there is almost never were like on that Saturday where they had extra time that they didn't use all of it. (laughs) And so like they were. Yeah, it was a very it was a big job. It was a lot of work. It was very uh, time consuming. So, yeah. William Hartnell been going straight six days a week for six months. So it was good that he got a story here where he got to take some time off. Oh, man. Thursdays must have been hell for tech. For us, when it's tech week during a play, that is like the worst time for actors because <laughs> we have to be quiet. And we have to wait for everyone else to get their cues right for sound and lights and set and everything. And if the director hates it, we have to run it over and over and over and mm. over again. And we spend all day and there's no goofing off at all which as actors like you're containing all of that oh no i would hate thursdays if that was the case (laughs) (laughs) my last note for episode two was susan is still the worst and then we go right into episode three where susan is freaking out like she took off first so she got to wherever they're going first and she's just going insane and just can't explain herself Everyone's just like, well, what are you here? What happened? And she like starts talking and then just buries her head in Barbara's chest and just starts crying. And everyone's like, this fucking kid. <laughs> and oh, the, the wailing part, right? The yeah. screaming forest yeah. or something. 
I feel like they could have done a little bit better on the noise because she then later described it as being the sound of evil, which then would make sense her reaction. But you didn't get it in the time in the moment. So you're just like, why is she being an asshole? Yeah. (laughs) There's also like a very sweet moment here where where Ian goes up to Barbara and Sabitha and is like, "Okay, uh, don't do anything until I get back. Like, just fucking chill out. And Barbara's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so Sabitha's like, oh, does he always just, like, tell you what to do? <laughs> and Barbara's like, well, he worries a lot. And But, you know, every once in a while, I and she just goes, you rebel. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and that's awesome because we get a little insight into Barbara. And she is, you know, more of a person than Susan has ever been shown to be. Yeah. But then immediately after that, she's in the forest screaming for Ian to come save her <laughs> like <laughs> five seconds later. Yeah. Yeah. That was a uh, that was an interesting little uh, like corridor with the uh, with the rotating statue. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Like with the, these super the obvious human hands. Yeah. yeah. It was like Who's just grabbing ass. Arms. Yeah. Yeah. Give me that ass. Mm hmm. We do get a nice thing. I mean, we are here to talk about Ian and and right after that, you know, they think they've got the key. So he sends everybody on ahead to meet the doctor at the next place. And he says, or, you know, um, Altos is like, oh, you know, at least we got the key. And Ian says, that doesn't matter. All that matters is getting Barbara back. And then he's like, you know, one single man alone. I'm going to go save her. And, and it's nice and it's sweet and gives us a little more of, you know, what their relationship could have been if the show was interested in doing that. Mm-hmm. And and they can't come back. No. Like they can only go forward. And so Ian and Barbara have to find the real one while trying to escape whatever has taken Barbara. Right. So like I thought that was kind of a cool moment. It's like, ah, yeah. shit. And then like. Without Everything's thinking going too crazy, that yeah. Barbara could have tried saving herself and jumping ahead anyway, and then Ian would just be... Be alone, yeah. trying has, to find it. He has one, too. He even says, and what you're saying is what Sabitha and Alto say. Like, mm-hmm. they're like, you know, they're logically laying out all the steps. Like, either this happened or this happened. Um, we'll go check it out. If you do this, you know, and it's like, yeah, if, if the statue gets me, too, and I spin around and it's, oh, shit, you know, I'll turn the dial. Mm-hmm. Any of those sentences given to Sabitha and Altos, who we never fucking see again after, like, they're great. I love them in this story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any of those lines could have been given to Susan to give us any sense that she is worth being on this trip, which she is not. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you just give her anything? And they don't. This entire six episodes, she doesn't do a fucking thing yeah. other than melt her shoes and cry. Yeah. She got kidnapped. But oh, she does crawl across that ice bridge like super brave. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's the lightest one. You were the one they were throwing anyway. <laughs> and the end of episode three is Ian and Barbara in this hut and the jungle starts attacking it. And I love that scene. I think it was really good, especially yeah. the sound design around it was really cool. Yeah. How everything was like coming in and like shaking and rattling. Yeah. Because the what was it? The at night the evil comes or something like mm-hmm. that and then they realize it i liked the the kind of reveal that that guy was a scientist that like created this problem like mm-hmm. he was he was messing with the plants and made them grow faster or be more aggressive or something <laughs> 
like that was kind of cool and then at night they they like come for him or something like yeah. that's that's pretty neat they mostly come at night mostly no. <laughs> i was a little disappointed in some of the blocking because again like if you were in that situation and they were coming in through the walls what's your main thought get away from the walls yeah what does barbara do i will go stand by this clearly blocked off door yeah and then well, vine you, gets need, her. you need a vine going around her legs because it's creepy and you're mm-hmm. trying to scare the kids there's not a lot they can do with the cameras and the actors because they're on the tiniest set in the world oh yeah and i'm sure they can't even use the whole size of the set because you have to have people on the outside of these walls like pushing these branches in and these vines so then on to episode four, the Rapey Mountain Man. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a really good podcast I've been listening to called uh, Flight Through Entirety. And it's like these three older gay Australian dudes. And they're all awesome. They they had a phrase that I really liked. I mean, I didn't like, but <laughs> where <laughs> like during this time in fiction, in media, women were often just that which we were to prevent being raped and there's just so much in tv and movies where you know the threat of rape is what our hero comes and prevents and that's what happens with ian here he shows up just in time and it's it's shitty and the one we're gonna watch for steven's first story the time meddler it gets way worse and there's a big Finnish story, Necromantia, where like the main companion is raped, or it's at least suggested that she was by a bad yeah. guy. Like, and that was in 2002. Like, it, it just never stops. Wow. So, like, last night when I was making my notes, I just Googled like rape in Doctor Who, and the TARDIS wiki has a rape page. Oh, geez. Which is like, it's a, it happens often enough that there's a page yeah. on the TARDIS wiki, which is. Oh, man. But we get this dude, Vassar, who is Big Mountain Man, saves Ian and Barbara, claims to have broken a wolf's back with his bare hands. Nah, I don't he, know why this planet has wolves. He he a, he a baby back, bitch. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way. But yeah, with him, I was I was reading uh, Of Mice and Men. Okay. Of just, um, was he Lenny? I think it's Lenny. Yeah. Who is just ridiculously big and strong but not all there brain wise yeah and like he ends up snapping the neck of a girl that he likes because mm-hmm. he wants to love her and she wants to get away and the struggle he just overdoes it so i was definitely getting that vibe of like i can kill a wolf i'm like i bet you can <laughs> <laughs> i do like when Vassar's trying to describe altos because he's like oh i saw him they're up in this cave and Ian's like, oh, did he look like this? And Vass is like, well, he blah, blah, blah. Nobody says, oh, the guy with no pants on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, we know him. That'd be the easy, like, especially in that tundra. Like, yeah, the man with no pants. Right. That's, that's the one guy. I should be like, how on earth is he able to move at all? Yeah. Like, I would be in a ball with that cape. <laughs> um, so obviously Vassar has betrayed them. Ian comes back with Altos and they go to the cave. And that's where we get like kind of a Indiana Jones, Holy Grail style. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, like robot men or just like old frozen men <laughs> or something. Like preserved, but still alive <laughs> somehow. It doesn't really matter. There's yeah. 
I did like how when it was melting, like they were melting. I thought yeah. that was that was a neat yeah. touch. Yeah. I don't like just the uh, just the like regular faucet handle <laughs> that's yeah. on the pipe. Yeah, that was kind of give funny. me some futuristic kind of something. And then the other point I wanted to make, being as this is our Ian podcast, is you know they all run away to go back to the bridge to find a way across, and Ian can't he has to fight because <laughs> Ian's <laughs> gonna Ian and so he's just like I- I'm just gonna fight all four of these demon frozen dudes and and he of course he's successful yeah well and he holds them off and I thought it was kind of cool they like they ran into that ice blockade thing and then used it to like hold them off even further yeah mm-hmm. that was pretty neat and then they get across go back to Vassar take their ship back and then the next episode, we get our courtroom drama. Uh, so today I did a little segment on the Neither Time Nor the Space podcast, and I asked David over there what he thought about this, and he specifically pointed out this episode as, like, proof that this isn't the best story. I fucking love this episode. I think William Hartnell in particular is really good. Like, his courtroom scenes, it's like, oh, I want to watch a courtroom drama with William Hartnell, which I'm sure there is one, and I'm very happy to go find it. Yeah. And then also the reveal of, like, him walking in and um, obviously coming off his vacation or whatever, everyone, like, excited to see him. Like, I don't know. That felt just more genuine, and it was, like, like he was super happy, like, just yeah. on camera. Like, it was... Yeah, that was my first note, is, like, he, he makes his entrance... And in that moment, he feels like a modern doctor. Mm-hmm. Like you can imagine that in the two weeks we haven't seen him, he's been like forging relationships with people in this town and like getting a network together where he's like finding out news. So when Ian's in trouble, he hears about it and shows up just the right time to yeah. be his lawyer. I also like the murder mystery feel of it. Yeah. Uh, and I think oh, yeah. those yeah those actors were all great. Um the prosecutor, his wife, who is like secretly in on it all along, mm-hmm. and the other guy who we think is the bad guy because he's the interrogator, mm-hmm. but is actually a good guy. And once he finds out what's going on, helps out. Yeah, there was there was a lot of misdirection. I liked it. Um, I also liked the group splitting up and having different roles. Altos and I always forget her name. Sabitha. Sabitha. Uh, they go researching in the library. Yeah, and do you see the pen that Altos is using? That was it's weird. The craziest pen. <laughs> <laughs> like they have the exact same kind of telephones that we had back then, where it's like a corded telephone. So in that instance, everyone's like, "Oh, we don't need to sci-fi that up." Although some other people have more sci-fi telephones, but when it comes to a pen, someone's like. We need to put a lot of time and effort into making this <laughs> yeah. the dumbest fucking pen. <laughs> yeah, that and then um, Susan and Barbara being detectives and like checking the scene. I was super proud of Barbara. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And that lady who's the uh, prosecutor's wife, she's Fiona Walker. She would later appear in Doctor Who in 1988 in The Silver Nemesis. Mm. As the nemesis? I would hope so. <laughs> no, the silver nemesis is the Cyberman. Ah. There was also some uh, just dark tones in this one with, well, just murder in general, but then like kidnapping and then blackmail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And then we get the final episode where it turns out the Vord have killed the main dude and are attempting to take his place. Ian gives them the fake key, which they use and blow everything up. And Tardistine fucks off. Bob's your uncle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the whole reason they're there doesn't happen. Like, they don't... Oh, I, I suppose he, like, charges Sabitha to be the law. Like, to bring... What would he say? Uh, machines can make the law, but humans... Machines can make laws, but they cannot serve justice. Justice. Only yeah. human beings can do that. Mm. So I guess that's kind of cool. All right. We talked way too long about that episode or about that story. But it was so good. It was good. It was good. I was down. Yeah. Um, the next one we're going to watch is going to be good, too, for Barbara. But uh, let's begin now our Ian chat. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian was played by William Russell. He was a science teacher at Cole Hill School. He's in all of the first two seasons except for the final story of season two. First appeared in An Unearthly Child, exited at the end of The Chase. William Russell went on to be a pretty successful actor. A uh, few small film roles, but a lot of TV roles. He also did a lot of stage work. In fact, he said that he left Doctor Who because he was concerned that the success of it would like hinder his stage career. So really? I, in his mind, he got out at the right time. Um, there's a there's a series of interviews done by Nicholas Briggs. He's the guy who does like all of the the Dalek and Cybermen voices in current Doctor Who. So like in the early 90s, he did this uh, or even into the 80s, he did this interview series called Mythmakers, which is hard to find if you're in America Googling. So I think it's on BritBox in the UK, but it's not here. But if you have a VPN and you put yourself on UK and then you Google Mythmakers, you can get them on Vimeo for like a three dollar rental. So I watched his and he did another one. Whereas him and Verity Lambert together, but I couldn't hmm. find it. Anyway, so I watched his whole hour-long interview where he's just talking about Doctor Who, and it was really interesting. That's where I found out about like the shooting schedule and all that shit, and just his kind of career in general. Nice. Uh, so after Doctor Who, he did a whole bunch of stuff. He even did a Poirot in 2005 Ooh. called After the Funeral. Yeah, I was almost going to watch that like two <laughs> days ago. <laughs> Well, look for a late 80s, or a man in his late 80s. I'm wondering if he wasn't the main guy. I don't know. But uh, after after that, he only has one other acting credit on IMDb, and that's his cameo appearance in the 50th anniversary special. The last thing I'll say is, in that interview also, just like in Carol Ann Ford's interview in her Mythmakers, he cites Edge of Destruction that two-parter in the middle of season one as one of his favorite episodes to shoot. Cause it's, we talked about it last time, Terry, but it's uh, in, in the first season, they had a 13 episode pickup. So they did an unearthly child, which was four episodes and they did the Daleks, which was seven episodes. So they needed a two episode story to fill out that 13 episode order. Mm-hmm. So they did a story just in the TARDIS with just the four principal actors and it's like the TARDIS went wrong and made everyone crazy and they're all trying to kill each other. Oh, nice. And the fans don't like it. But I watched I watched it last week and actually had a really good time. But the actors so far, two of them that I've heard interviews for, have cited it as their favorite to shoot because 
Carol Ann Ford said it was the only time she actually got to do any acting. Yeah. And William Russell said it was great because they got to like build their characters and then also kind of bond as a group. He talked a lot about how close they were to as a group. Hmm. And the interviewer, Nicholas Briggs, even says to him at one point, like Hardnell had kind of a reputation for being a hard ass and like a, a racist shithead. <laughs> but uh, he, he said that in the interview. huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, William Russell is like, oh, I never saw any of that. He was nothing but the best to hmm. me. And around you know these people and he says like they go to the studio the original studio that they shot in william russell's like oh the canteen was upstairs but it was the food was shit so like we would all just do like a potluck every day where he's like verity lambert is actually a really good cook i would Mm -hmm. always do something super easy like a salad because i'm terrible (laughs) (laughs) but he's like that they really had these bonding experiences because it really was the four of them, like, versus the world. <laughs> it, it, four of them and Verity Lambert. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. He also, in that interview, talks a lot about Ian being the action man. And he doesn't apologize for it. He's like, I was cast to be the action guy. They said the lead was going to be an older dude. They needed someone younger to throw the punches and get punched and all that. And that's why I think the Romans was actually really important for us to watch because that's his whole story is just his bravery and Mm -hmm. fighting. Uh, And he just the whole time was like, oh, well, you know, I was I was the action man. And he brings it up like three or four times during the interview and he's super proud of it. And it's it's kind of cool that he's, you know, whereas Caroline Ford is like, oh, my only job was to just scream and be saved. You know, he doesn't look at it as like, oh, I just you know, punched and got punched. He's like, yeah, I was the fucking dude. <laughs> I punched yeah. and got punched. But he, he was also um, like just clever. Like he was tricking people. Like even yeah. in this story, like he he tricked him. He gave him the, the fake one instead of the real one. Yeah. Because he like saw it in the scene and then was just like, yeah, sure, here you go. Yeah. And like, it's just clever, clever character. It's not super often he actually gets to use his science teacheriness. Oh, yeah. yeah right? I forget he's a science teacher. I know. I was really <laughs> hoping he would get to do more of that as, like, I was hoping Barbara would be more of a history, like, also giving some insight into She does some get stuff. a little bit where she explains how the pyramids were built and is like, oh, that's how they did it in Egypt and in Mexico. Yeah. No, I, I was definitely getting that vibe from Ian, too, of just he was the go-getter, the muscle. He was, like, the Fred of the Scooby-Doo gang. He was just there oh, yeah. as, like, the brute type of person. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, he's generally, genuinely very sweet. Like, he is saving Barbara because, like, he loves Barbara. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, the mission is their only way back to the TARDIS, which is their only way home. And he's just like, fuck that. Like, Barbara's missing. We need to go get her. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of stories where Ian... Like, it's not even just Barbara. It's like any any good person he meets in any story, he ends up trying to help them or save them or whatever. Like, I'm trying yeah. – uh, in the Romans when he was a slave, like, the guy that was also a slave with him, like, those two palled up yeah. and they were just bros together. Yeah. The best thing, too, is, like, Ian is so genuine and likable that this other man who, once they're free, just wants to go home, like, stops and goes with Ian to help him. 
because he, in a way, loves Ian too. Mm-hmm. I do have to say with Ian, though, um, most of the time, his costume looks really great. Yeah. Like, he looks real good. <laughs> was he a Cobra guy in this well, one? Yeah. <laughs> what was going on? I'm really surprised this took this long to come up. <laughs> so the episode right before this is Marco Polo, where they're like in China oh. on an expedition. Okay. And so like he's just wearing the same clothes from last episode. He hasn't oh, changed it. Gotcha. I was really wondering about yeah, that. That was wild. <laughs> but there was another episode, I forget was it the Chase? Yeah. That his striped shirt. It was such a bold striped shirt that it looked like it was like some sort of 18th century pajamas that he was wearing. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, who dressed you? <laughs> One thing that I did think of, um, it was really sweet, of, but when Susan's shoe melted and he was like, here, borrow mine to go back and get some new ones. I was then like, wait, how is he going to walk around then? Yeah, like, he's wouldn't just, his feet get cut up? He's just on glass. <laughs> yeah. Like, just totally fine. <laughs> but, but he's like, it's okay. I can take it. Yeah. You're a little girl. <laughs> and I liked how the doctor was like, well, if you wore your shoes, you could have given <laughs> yeah. her yours. <laughs> right. Fucking prick. <laughs> yeah. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. I, Ian in particular, I really do love his relationship with the doctor where it's, competitive and combative but also loving and caring and you know at times especially early on like the whole thing kicks off because ian just refuses to accept what the doctor is saying and the doctor's just like get out of my fucking house (laughs) and ian's like no yeah and then you know it all kicks off and then as they go on it's a lot of Anytime Ian says something, the doctor's being like, oh, no, that's fucking ridiculous. And then a minute later being like saying the exact same thing or whatever. Right. But then, you know, now in this episode, uh, there was a lot of kudos from the doctor to Ian. Like, oh, good job, my dear boy. Like, yeah. Like stuff. like So it yeah. like turns and yeah, it, it's yeah, it was cool. But he does also refer to him a couple of times as like that young man. Instead mm-hmm. of just being like Ian, yeah. Just, but like when talking to complete strangers, he was like, "Oh yes, that young man is pretty good, isn't he?" Like, <laughs> you just forgot his name, didn't you? Just knowing the William Hartnell, how he acted and not being able to remember his lines and vamping random stuff when he gets Chesterton's name wrong. <laughs> I'm like, I can't remember what he called him. It was like Chester, Chester Tower Field. or something. Yeah, Chester yeah, Field. Yeah. Of like, if that was legit <laughs> in the script or if that was like a. There's a lot no, of things. <laughs> There's a lot of things that he well, says. I think it's in the Censorites. They even make a joke about that. where like the doctor's just woken up and he's kind of like isn't fully awake yet. And he calls him Chesterfield. And then Barbara goes, it's Chesterton. And then the doctor goes, Ian Barbara wants you. <laughs> <laughs> in this one, in the courtroom scene. The doctor says, I can't improve at this very moment, and then goes, just pauses, and then goes, I can't prove at this very moment. Right. That was written into the script. Really? Yeah. Terry Nation put that in there. Oh. To be said exactly that way. I thought that was a mess up. And I don't know if that's like some trumped up bullshit that the BBC put out to be like, oh, no, no, we did that on purpose. (laughs) Or that could be. But it's, you know, I've heard it in many different places, both like uh, in a podcast, like it might even be on the DVD, and then 
in the wiki. Hmm. <laughs> like, why, why? it makes no fucking sense. No. Especially the way Hartnell acts it, where it does seem like he's pausing for a clean cut and yeah. then just delivers the next, or delivers <laughs> it again. Yeah. But yeah, Ian, his character was always fun to watch. Like, there was never like a, God, you're boring type of yeah. vibe from him. He's really good on screen. Uh, mm-hmm. He's good in the action scenes. Um, his delivery is great. His energy. Mm-hmm. Like the comedy even, like some of some of the jokes he had are oh, yeah. so good. But also like he's believable. Like uh, like he's physically, you believe he could beat some of these people up. Like in those Romans scenes, or he, he's like a head taller than everybody. <laughs> he's a giant. Yeah. He's taller than everyone. I mean, it's there's crazy. times you see like Rory punching people out and you're like, all right, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what else? We went too long in the episode. Everyone's worn out. <laughs> Ian's the best. What's yeah? I mean, uh, what and, else can we say? He's, and thankfully, William Russell's still with us. His birthday was just last week, I think. He turned ninety-six, something like that. Damn, that's crazy. Him and Caroline Ford both still mm. kicking it. I'm just thinking of it. Him being paired with Barbara, I think, really helped flesh out his character. Because I'm just trying to imagine what any of these stories would be like if Barbara wasn't there, and if Ian himself would be able to control or like help. Yeah support and just be a companion on his own if that would have worked well and when you were earlier in your journey through this through these four stories i made you watch uh you messaged me like ah ian's such a dickhead to barbara but like as you go on you realize like oh they're clearly in love with each other especially there's parts of this one of keys of marinus and then romans obviously where they're just like fucking for a month mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and then you know, at the end of the chase where they run off together, fans kind of have a debate over whether these first two seasons are Barbara's story or if they're Ian's story. I think uh, most fans tend to come down on the fact that it's or that it's Barbara's story to tell. But it is definitely the two of them is the story of these first two seasons of Doctor Who. And without it, um, you know, Daleks be damned without the chemistry of those two performers and those two characters, the show wouldn't have succeeded and wouldn't exist almost 60 years later. Oh, yeah. not at all. Yeah. Those two were a major driving point. Yeah. And, uh, they do eventually in the greater doctor who universe get married in, I think a comic strip in the doctor who magazine. <laughs> <laughs> they have a wedding really? scene. Oh, hmm. but, uh, in a way, I do wish that their relationship was more explicit, that they did have like a big moment because that's what you want. But that's as a 21st century television watcher. Yeah. Whereas maybe it is better that it didn't happen. But it was, it's not as bad as like TV is today where it's like, will they, won't they? Like they're not like teasing super hard. They're just two characters together in crazy circumstances all the time. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it would have been nice if at some point there was a kiss or, um, you know, a hardcore sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's just part of the Romans. Like. All right. Um, I think we've said all we need to say about Ian. I think we're finding it's easier to talk about companions that A, either suck or B, are a direct contrast to a different companion or like someone who was 
you know, cast as a replacement, which we'll get when we get to Steven, who is replacing both Ian and Barbara. But before we get there, next time we will be doing our Barbara episode. Booyah! Barbara! And like Ian, we have already seen her first story, An Unearthly Child, and her final story, The Chase. So what everyone, I didn't even have to do a Twitter poll, what everyone knows is the most Barbara story is the Aztecs, which chronologically is the very next story after the one we just watched. So we'll get some more Susan. Yay. But we'll also get another. <laughs> st- <laughs> we'll also get another story of Ian, but it will be our final podcast on the original TARDIS crew. And we'll be going into the final Hartnell season and beyond from there. You want to do an MVP real quick for Keys of Marinus? Uh, yeah. I'll do... Oh, man. They're so different. All the episodes are so mm-hmm. different. Um, hmm. I think I'm going to do Ian. Like, it, it was a Ian episode, but I think in all of these episodes for the story, he was, like, the strongest. Yeah. Terry. Oh, man. I'll give you a second. Uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> like you're saying, Alex, um, like I really think William Hartnell does a really good job in this story, but he's not in two episodes, so yeah. you're disqualified. Um, Barbara's pretty good, but again, not really a driving force in the story. So, yeah, it's got to be Ian. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say Terry Nation, but... Uh, that was the other thing, but... Yeah. But it, I, I don't think it's actually a very well-written story i think yeah. it's executed pretty well yeah i would say my mvp probably would be ian but i i really want to give it to barbara like i think <laughs> she she helps hold her own and oh, of course uh just she was also just super fun to watch like she's got that drive that ian does alex give me that paper crumpling theme song this has been Brothers News episode on Ian Chesterton. Uh, please follow our regular feed, Married to Who, where we just watched Extremis, and we'll be continuing through Series 10 with... Uh, I can't really say anything else because Terry's here. On behalf of myself, Jake, Brooks, and producer Terry, thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for our episode on Barbara... Right. <laughs> oh, Notes for episode one was the Vord needs to do some squats, fill out the backside of that wetsuit. <laughs> the dude had no butt at all. Flat back. Ooh.